On July 16, 1969, astronauts Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins, and Buzz Aldrin stepped onto the Apollo 11 spacecraft to embark upon their historic journey to the moon. Their spacecraft, the rocket weighed 102,907 pounds, but it carried 5.65 million gallons of rocket fuel, which created 7.5 million pounds of thrust, which created a speed of 17,500 miles per hour so the rocket could break free from the Earth's gravitational pull and enter the atmosphere and then break through the atmosphere into space. That was a lot of power. But I'm gonna talk today about something that's much more powerful than any rocket that's ever been created, and that is prayer. Because prayer unleashes the power of God so that we can break free from this world's gravitational pull and reach out and touch heaven and bring some heaven to earth. It's what we've been talking about in this series we're calling Kingdom. Today we're concluding this series as we've been reminding each other constantly that if you're a Christ follower, then you are a child of the king. You're in the royal family. You're one of the king's kids. And he has given you full authority to reach out and to touch heaven and to bring heaven to earth. And so today we wanna to look at a prayer that is profound. We wanna look at a prayer to be reckoned with. So open your Bibles to the book of James and would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodland Church? We're gonna look at James chapter five. And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses and everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry wherever you are in the world. And I love talking to our online pastor and our team, our online team, because they know who's coming in from all over the world. And I know that there are many worshiping with us on the other side of the earth right now. And then through our broadcast ministry that goes to over 200 continents, from the woodlands to the world, we're one church built on the word of God. And it's so amazing to be connected through technology, but most importantly, connected through the Holy Spirit. And so just follow along with me. In James 5, verse 13, are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the master. Believing prayer will heal you. Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. Dear God, I thank you for how you've been bringing showers of healing, showers of blessing, Lord, over this weekend in such an amazing way. Dear King of Kings, Daddy God, we come right into your presence through your son Jesus. And we just ask you, as you've given us the right to ask, that you'd bring heaven to earth in this place, that you'd bring heaven to earth at all of our campuses, that you'd bring heaven to earth in our relationships, our homes, our families, that you would bring the blessings of heaven, the peace of heaven, the healing of heaven, the hope of heaven right into our lives over the next few moments. We thank you for what you've already been doing in this miracle weekend. 
We thank you, Lord, for how you've been changing lives and healing hearts and bodies and emotions and relationships. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. We thank you, Lord, that you're the one who gets all the credit and we lift up your name because we want your name to be famous, Lord, because you are the King of Kings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated, and I want you to underline the phrase in that passage, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I love that, because when a child of the king who's connected to the king prays, it's much more powerful than a rocket going 17,500 miles per hour so that it can barely break through the earth's gravitational pull and break through the atmosphere to go into the heavens because prayer unleashes heaven to come to earth. Prayer unleashes the power of heaven to collide with our earth and to change our lives. It's a prayer to be reckoned with because it impacts the actions of God. And so James uses as an example to a prayer to be reckoned with Elijah from the Old Testament. He uses him as a model for a prayer to be reckoned with. In James 5, 17, it says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, we have to go back to Elijah. If we want to know what a prayer to be reckoned with is all about, and we gotta go back to the Old Testament, and we see in the Old Testament that Elijah lived on this earth eight centuries before Christ was born. And he arrived on the scene in a very dark time in Israel because King Ahab and Queen Jezebel were on the throne of Israel at the time, and the Bible literally says that King Ahab was the most evil king to ever reign in Israel. And that's saying a lot because there were a lot of evil kings. I think there were 20 kings in the northern kingdom, and they were all wicked, but Ahab was the most wicked of them all because he and his wife Jezebel had turned the people of Israel from worshiping the one true king to worshiping the idol of Baal. And Baal was the vilest form of idol worship. It involved temple prostitutes and self-harm. And they had turned the people away from the worship of the true God to worshiping this idol. And here we see Elijah come onto the scene and he prays for the heavens to be shut and there to be no rain. He comes up to wicked King Ahab and he says, there's not gonna be any rain for years because of you. There's going to be a divine drought that hits this land. And the divine drought hit, there was not a drop of rain for three and a half years and it brought the whole nation to their knees so that they could look up and see who the true God was. Now I want you to notice that Elijah's prayer was directed right at the idol of Baal and the people worshiping Baal. For you see, Baal was considered the fertility god. The people would pray to Baal for rain so that their ground and their land would be fertile and their crops would be bountiful. And so as Elijah prayed for God to shut the heavens, he, he was praying that the people would recognize that Baal has no power at all, but there is a God who controls it all. And sometimes God allows us to go through a drought so that we'll drop to our knees. Sometimes God allows us to hit rock bottom so that the only place we can look is up. Sometimes God allows us to see that God is all we need as we come to the place where God is all we have. 
And so the people went through this divine drought and it brought them to their knees so that they could experience the true God. And maybe you're going through a drought right now. Maybe it's a financial drought. And maybe it's a drought where everything seems to be going against you. Maybe it's an emotional drought where you feel kind of numb. You're just going through the motions of life and you have no passion for your work. You have no passion for life. You have no energy. You're going through this emotional drought. Or maybe it's a spiritual drought where you don't feel as close to God as you once did. And, and it just, you just have no passion. Sometimes God allows us to go through a drought so that we'll drop to our knees and we'll experience the true God because oftentimes we, like the people of Israel, let idols start taking over our lives. Now, we don't worship idols made of stone and wood and bronze and gold fashioned to look like some image but we still have idols. An idol is anything you put in the place of God in your life. An idol is anything that you allow to be at the center of your life other than Christ. When you allow anything, even good things, even a relationship or another person, when you allow material possession, when you allow a job, when you allow a relationship to be at the center of your life other than God, that becomes an idol. Even good things can become idols you were made to worship. If you don't worship God, you're going to worship something. And when you start worshiping another person, a human being, or you start worshiping a thing that humans created, or you start worshiping yourself in pride, then things are going to start to crumble in your life. And God loves you so much that he will allow a drought to hit to drop you to your knees so that you can see nothing but Christ can fill the God-shaped hole in your life. Nothing but Christ can be at the center of your life if you want things to be under his control. You can't get control of your life. The more you try to get control of your life, the more it'll spin out of control, but you can't place your life under Christ's care and control so that he can be in control. And so the people of Israel had pushed God aside. Now, they would pray to God sometimes, and then they would pray to Baal. When it came to rain, they would pray to Baal. And they would worship God sometimes, and then they would worship Baal. They would live for God sometimes, and then they would live for Baal. And so Elijah directed that prayer right at that idol that they were worshiping. And he prayed for the heavens to be shut, and the heavens were shut because God heard his prayer. Now, James goes all the way back. He goes back nine centuries to point out Elijah's prayer as a model for a prayer that moves God, as a model for the kind of prayer to be reckoned with. But one of the first things he points out is Elijah was human just like we are. And James was so impressed that such an extraordinary prayer came from such an ordinary guy. And we make the terrible mistake in our modern times of looking back at the heroes of the Bible and thinking they were different from us. We think they were superhuman or had superhuman faith. They were like superheroes. And if we, we're not like that, so... You know, we can't pray like that. We can't believe God like that. And James points out he was very ordinary, just like we are. And I love that about the Bible. The Bible always points out how the heroes are ordinary. It tells about all the great things they did with God's power, and it tells about all their failures and their struggles. I love the Bible. It's so honest. It tells the good, bad, and the ugly of its heroes. And Elijah, it says, was just like you and I, just ordinary. 
He had just learned to take his very ordinary faith and put it totally in an extraordinary God who did extraordinary things when he prayed. James is pointing out that you have the same authority and even greater than Elijah because you're a child of the king and he's given you the authority that you can come right into his throne room, into his presence. You can go right into the king of kings, the king of creation's presence because you're one of his kids and you can pray for him to bring heaven to earth because that's what he wants to do. He wants to bring some heaven to earth in your life, in your family, in your home, in your community. He wants to. That's what he wants to do. And so he's pointing out that he's very normal. And by the way, Elijah struggled with depression all of his life. Even at the end of his life, he was really struggling with depression. But God still used him greatly. God only uses ordinary imperfect people because that's all he has to work with. But when you take that ordinary imperfect faith and place it all in God and you pray like Elijah did, that's a prayer to be reckoned with where people look and say, that's God. That's God. I want God. I want that God in my life. And so God wants you to pray for blessings for his namesake so that he can be lifted up. So when people look at you, they see God and his power and his strength in your life. And so if Elijah was an ordinary person, just like us, then how was he able to pray this extraordinary prayer? That's what I really want us to look at because there are several key points and you might wanna write these down. First, Elijah listened to God. That's the first thing he did. The reason why he prayed that kind of prayer is he was able to listen to God. He spent time with God. He started learning to hear God's voice in his heart. And so he knew that God had told him to pray that it wouldn't rain. In fact, there was a time when he stood before Ahab and all the prophets of Baal and he said, he prayed to God, God, I pray that you would just make everyone know that you are the true God today and that I am your servant and I've done all these things according to your command. He was saying, God, you told me to do these things, so that's why I'm doing them. He really listened to God. He spent time with God. The scripture says he broke away and spent time at the brook Cherith all by himself. He hid away before he stepped forward. And that's crucial for us as Christ followers to spend some time every day with God, listening and praying and reading our, our Bible and tuning in so that God can speak to us. We can learn to hear God's voice so we can pray in agreement with him. But then I want you to see that Elijah knew that God listened to him. You see, your prayers matter to God because you matter to God. You're not just anyone, you're a child of the king and he cares about what you care about. Sometimes people tell me, I, I don't think we're supposed to pray for little things in our lives. We should pray for big things like peace on earth and pray for the poor to be fed and all the sick to be healed in the universe and pray for just the really big things. And God says, yes, pray for the big things, but if you're worried about it, I care about it, God says, because I care about you and I don't want you to worry. And so whenever we have a worry, we should pray about it and give it to God, no matter how insignificant it seems. Because God cares about you. The reason why God cares about your prayers is he cares about you. You're one of his kids. And he cares about his kids. You're not just anyone, you're a child of the king. And he wants you to bring your request to him. You have an inheritance. You have the riches of heaven as your inheritance. And prayer is the way you claim your inheritance. The body of 60-year-old Timothy Henry Gray was found underneath a Wyoming overpass in 2012. He died of hypothermia, it was determined. He was homeless at the time. 
he was just wearing some jeans and a thin shirt in that cold Wyoming night. But what Timothy Gray didn't realize at the time of his death, he stood to inherit $19 million from a deceased great aunt. That money was just waiting for him. He died as a homeless pauper, but yet he was a multimillionaire and didn't even know it because he had never approached his great aunt and asked about his inheritance. He'd never let anyone know. And I think about us as Christ followers. We're an heir to heaven's riches. You're an heir to the promises of God. And the way you claim those promises and the way you claim heaven's riches is through prayer. We go to our heavenly father, the king of the universe, and we come right into his throne room because of his son, Jesus Christ, and we pray and we ask him to bring heaven to earth. That's what he told us to do in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you're to pray, for heaven to come to earth in your place, in your little place, in your territory, for heaven to come to earth, for people to see the power of heaven in your life. Well, God loves to answer the prayers of his kids. But I need you to see a third thing. Not only did Elijah listen to God, and Elijah knew that God would listen to him, but Elijah prayed for God's name to be famous. His whole purpose in his prayer was for God's name to be famous. He prayed for the heavens to be shut, there'd be no rain, so people would recognize that God is the one who's really in charge. He prayed for rain to come down so the people would realize God's the one that blesses them, that God is the one who's the God of rain, that you need to go to him and pray for him for his healing rain and rain of provision and peace in your life. You see, it's good to pray for God to bless you. The Bible tells us that. We should pray, God, bless me, but the motive makes all the difference. It's God, bless me, so I'll be a greater blessing for your name so that your name will be made famous, so your name will be lifted up. God, give me that promotion so I can have a greater influence, more people to influence to your name, to lift up your name so more people can turn to you. That's my ultimate purpose. God, bless me so that more people can be blessed and see that you are God, that you are real. The whole purpose of this church is so that people can see that God is real. The whole purpose of this church, and we pray for heaven to come to earth, why? so that people can see that Jesus Christ loves them, that he is real and he has a purpose and plan for them and they can come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not a religion, but a relationship. You see, this is a place where lives are changed so people can see that God is real, that he loves them, he cares about them, and he wants to be in a deep and rich relationship with them. It's the only way we find fulfillment. And so the reason why we prayed for 25 years, for heaven to come to earth, and we've seen so many lives change, is because God is real. And God wants people to know that he's real. That you don't need an idol in your life, that you need the real thing, you need God, who loves you so much in your life. That's what this church is all about. And so when I pray for God to bless, for God to strengthen, for God to provide, for God to to give me his wisdom, for God to give me his peace and strength, because God, I want your name to be glorified. When people look at me, I want them to be able to see you in, and not me. I want them to be able to see your power, your strength, 
that I'm ordinary, but you're extraordinary. And I want you to do a great work in their life so they know it's you and you totally, and they'll come into a relationship with you and their life will be forever changed and generations will be changed. That's what's happening at Woodland Church. When one person comes to Christ, it changes generations. Generations, it's like a ripple in a pond. It just keeps going out and it echoes into eternity. What's happening here makes a difference not five years from now, not 500 years from now, not 5,000 years from now, but for all eternity. What happens here echoes into eternity. This is a place where lives are changed because God is real and he loves you. And so Elijah would pray, God, shut the heavens so people will know that your name is famous. God, open up the heavens and bless people so they'll know that it's of you and that it raises up your name. But notice also that it was a prayer in faith. That's the fourth thing I want you to see. He prayed in faith. A prayer to be reckoned with is always a prayer in faith. In 1 Kings, let's go back to it and see. In chapter 18, verse 41, it says, Then Elijah said to King Ahab, Now go and eat. I hear the roar of rain approaching. See, God called Elijah to bring all the prophets of Baal together, the people of Israel together who'd been wavering. And he said, okay, it's a showdown. And they set up two altars. The prophets of Baal prayed to their God and nothing happened. They cut themselves. They, you know, they cried out to their God. They tried to earn their God's approval, but nothing. Their God was dead. But then Elijah prays and he says, God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, I know you're the real God, and I pray that you would show yourself real right now so these people will know that you're real, and they'll turn their hearts back to you, and that I'm your servant. I've done these things according to your command. And as soon as he prayed, fire fell from heaven, and it just destroyed the altar. It was gone. It just burned it up totally. And the people said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then right after that, Elijah comes up to King Ahab and he says, guess what, it's gonna rain now. The heavens are about to open up because I'm praying that the heavens will open up and it's about to open up and I hear the roar of a rainstorm. You better get out of here or you're gonna get your chariot stuck and you're gonna get flooded. It hadn't rained in three and a half years, not a drop, it's the middle of a drought. And then after he tells Ahab this, he goes and gets alone and he begins to pray and he prays for God to open up the heavens and for it to rain. You see, he spoke the word in advance. I, I believe he heard it in his spirit. I believe he heard it, it was as real as rain in his heart that he heard the rainstorm and he heard the thunder and he saw the lightning and he felt the rain drenching him, that spiritual rain that he felt it so strong and he knew God was sending rain And he, in faith, spoke it, and then he prayed for God to bring the rain. I know what it was probably like. It was like, God, I know it's going to rain. You know, you've spoken that in my heart, and so King, wicked King Ahab, it's going to rain. I hear the roar of a rainstorm. You better get out of here right now. And then he goes privately to God and goes, God, didn't you tell me that? God, it's going to rain, right? Please make it rain. I know that's what you want to do, right? Do you ever feel like that? But see, God loves that. Here's why. It's great when you thank God when he blesses you, when he does a miracle in your life, when you see God come through, when he answers prayer. That's great. You know what that's called? Gratitude. And we're to have gratitude. Coming up here, next week we're gonna have Thanksgiving, right? Coming up here in a couple weeks, 
But on Thanksgiving, there's not a lot of thanks or giving that takes place. A lot of gluttony takes place and football watching. I'm not against those. God is against the first one. God's against the first one. But, uh, you know, and, and I don't need the first one. But I can tell you this. Thanks and giving are great. We ought to do thanks and giving on Thanksgiving. But what's more important than even being grateful is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And faith is when you thank God in advance. That's faith, and God loves that. You're aligning your heart with God. It's a prayer of faith, and that's a prayer to be reckoned with. And he says, I hear the roar of a rainstorm. Then he goes and he prays, and he prays for rain, and then thanking God that it's gonna rain, and then he sends his, his servant to go out and look to see if there are any clouds. The servant comes back and says, no, no clouds, not a cloud in the sky. It's the same as the last three and a half years. He prays again, and then he sends his servant out, and the servant says, nope, not again. There's no, nothing out there. He prays again, sends a servant out. He did this seven times until the servant comes back on the seventh time and he says, there is a cloud about the size of a man's hand, literally the size of a man's hand. So I guess you better keep praying. And then Elijah says, nope, that's all God needs. Let's get out of here. That rainstorm is coming. That rainstorm that I've been hearing for quite some time now that's been building up. I've been hearing the roar and now the roar is right over us. It's just a cloud the size of a man's hand. That's all God needs. You see, that's faith. That's faith in the sure thing. God himself and the character of God and the reputation of God and the power of God and the authority of God. That is faith in the name of God. And he heads out. He heads out. And and you know, I've been praying for this weekend. Our pastors have been praying for this weekend for heaven to come to earth. And some of you have been in a drought You've been in a drought, maybe it's financially, maybe it's a health drought, maybe it's in a relationship, but you've been in a drought, and I just want you to know that I hear the roar of a rainstorm coming today. I hear the roar of a rainstorm, not because of me, not because of our pastors and our prayers and our teams, but because of God. And I believe with all my heart, a healing rain is getting ready to fall. You better get out your bucket. And if you don't want it, you better get out an umbrella because it's coming. It's a thunderstorm. It's a gully washer from God. It's a flood of God's healing. It's a flood of God's peace. It's a rain of forgiveness. It's a rain of grace. It's a rain of God's provision because God wants you to know that he's real and that he loves you. Praise God, there's a rain coming. And in my spirit, I hear the roar of that rainstorm right now, and it is loud. You ever been in one of our metal buildings? Ever been in a metal building when a rainstorm hits? Get out of there right away. Let me just say that. We used to have tents up out here because we didn't have any room for the kids and we'd have tents up out here before the children's buildings were built. And in a rainstorm, we'd hurry them all in to the auditorium, you know, and babies and preschoolers and everybody. And, you know, you got to get out of there. But on those metal buildings, you hear the rainfall and it's loud. It's so loud. That's the roar of rain that I hear that's coming, the healing rain that's on its way. And I just ask you to believe God just a little bit in your life that he's about to do something. Maybe you felt like you've been going through a drought for three and a half years. You've been praying for three and a half years. Don't give up. What if Elijah would have given up on the sixth time? He prayed seven times until he saw that little cloud. You're on your sixth time and you're about to give up and I'm telling you the rain is coming. There's a cloud forming. There's a storm circling, and it's a storm of God's blessings, and you're gonna be in the center of it. 
but don't give up. You keep praying because heaven's getting ready to open up. Heaven's going to open up and it's going to pour out a healing rain from heaven onto your life because God wants you to know that he is real and that he cares about you. Get ready. The roar of rain. The rain is on its way. But I want us to go back to James, verse 14. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together and pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the master. So it says here that when you're sick and need healing, then you're to go to the church leaders and have them pray for you and anoint you with oil. And so that's what we do at Woodlands Church. Now, the oil is not magical or mystical. It's, it just represents the Holy Spirit because all through Scripture, oil and olive oil represented the Holy Spirit. And so when we anoint you with oil, that's just a reminder that it's not the pastor or the prayer leader and the church leader that's healing you. It's not their power. It's God's power. It's the Holy Spirit that brings healing. And that's why we do that. And so at the prayer fountain, at Atascocita, at the prayer fountain, here at the Woodlands Campus, and in the foyer and in the auditorium there at our North Point Campus, right after this service, we're gonna have prayer for healing. And our pastors and leaders are gonna be out there to do what the scripture says, that if you're sick and need healing, we wanna anoint you with oil. What that means is we just put a little bit of olive oil on your forehead as a symbol that we all recognize as the Holy Spirit of God that heals and not human beings but he calls us to pray, and it's a prayer to be reckoned with, a prayer of faith. Now, there are different kinds of healing. There's physical healing. I believe with all my heart, God still heals physically today. Sometimes he uses doctors and medicines and medical professionals and their wisdom, and sometimes he just heals instantly. Sometimes God heals instantly, and we've seen that so many times at Woodland Church. I believe this is the day that God wants to heal bodies instantly. Sometimes it's a delayed healing where we pray and all of a sudden the healing starts happening and God brings healing over time. Sometimes it's ultimate healing. You see, if you get healed on this earth, eventually we're all gonna die anyway. So that's really encouraging, Carrie. It's a positive word today. Write it down. We're all gonna die. Now here's the great thing. If you're Christ follower, it's ultimate healing. No more sickness, no more sorrow in heaven. And sometimes God, that's the healing that it brings the ultimate healing. But, but let me say this, I believe with all my heart that God wants to heal physically so much more than Christ followers in our modern culture allow him to. That's why at Woodland Church, we pray for healing, anoint with oil, and we've seen God do amazing things because he wants people to know that he's real. We've seen him do amazing things and we leave it to him, but he heals physically. Then he heals emotionally. Those wounds that are so deep in our souls, the wounds of rejection and betrayal and, and hurt, those are wounds only God can heal. And God wants to heal emotionally today. And then there's relational healing. Maybe you have a relationship that needs healing desperately, that's broken, that's dead, that's fallen apart. God can bring relational healing. And then there's spiritual healing, and that's the greatest kind of healing. It's when God takes a heart and changes a life. When we come to him and realize that we need him, and we need Christ to save us, to bring us to heaven one day. But I want you to underline the last phrase, in the name of the master. That's the secret. It's a prayer in the name of Jesus to lift up his name. You see, God's name represents his character, his power, his authority, his reputation. God's character is all wrapped up in his name. In the Old Testament, there are many names for God. The same God, one God, but he has many names. There's Jehovah Jireh, which means God is my provider. Jehovah Shalom means God is my peace. Jehovah Rapha means God is my healer. 
Jehovah Sidkenu means God is my righteousness and my forgiveness. But all the names of God in the Old Testament can be rolled up into one name, Jesus. Jesus Christ, the name above all names. In John 14, 13, Jesus says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. What a powerful verse. You can ask God for anything in the name of Jesus and he will do it, guaranteed. Now when you're Praying in the name of Jesus, just know that's not a magic phrase you attach to the end of a prayer. That's not what he's talking about. You don't go, God, give me a million bucks in Jesus' name. I prayed in Jesus' name, so you gotta do it. That's what you said. No, in Jesus' name means you align your life with the character of God, the reputation of God, wanting him to be lifted up, the power of God. You put yourself under the authority of God. You align yourself with the name of Jesus Christ. That's what it means. And so what it means is, If I have a need in my life, I pray, God, I pray that you would bring that from heaven. I need that peace. I need that strength. I need that provision. I need you to provide this. I need this specific thing. And pray specifically. Write it down so you'll know when God answers. But you pray, and then I say, but God, I I believe this is what I really need and that I'm really seeking you, but, but I pray in your name, Jesus. So if my desires are off, change my desires. I want to align my heart with your character and what you want, and your will, and your name, Jesus. And many times, God starts changing my desires. But when I pray in Jesus' name, he's gonna answer that prayer, or he's gonna guide me and my desires to something that's better that I didn't recognize. And so you pray in Jesus' name, believing in Jesus' name, because it's in his name that we get to go right to the Father, into his presence, the king of the universe, and ask him for heaven to come to earth. There's an old story about a ship's captain who looked out into a dark, foggy night, and he saw some faint lights in the distance, and he immediately asked his signalman to give this message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. Promptly, he got a return message that said, alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain was really angry that his message had been ignored by the other ship, and so he sent back a real terse message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am the captain. Soon another message was returned. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman third class Jones. The captain was really mad. He goes, who does this third class person think he is that he's messing with a captain? And we have a battleship, so the captain thought, I'm gonna send this message. It's gonna send fear into the hearts of this man and his little boat. And the captain said, alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. Soon the reply came back, alter your course 10 degrees north, I am a lighthouse. You see, God's will is the lighthouse. It doesn't matter how great you think you are, how strong you think you are, how talented you think you are, we've gotta alter our course to his name because he, his name, his character, his reputation, his authority, that's where the power comes from. And if we don't alter our course, then we're gonna eventually crash. But when you alter your course to his name, to his will, God answers your prayers in a powerful way. Philippians 2, 9, our last verse, says, therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus, we pray. We speak blessings over you in the name of Jesus. 
the powerful name of Jesus, the name that's raised up above all names, the King of Kings. Max Lucado in his book, Unshakable Hope, tells about Dmitri, uh, this man who lived in the former Soviet Union some years ago, but he was a really strong Christian, but he was living in Russia at a time when Christians were persecuted severely for their faith. And Dmitri lived about four hours away from Moscow with his family, and so he wanted to teach his family about the Lord, so he started teaching them in a Bible study in their home, and soon neighbors and friends found out about it, and they came over, and, and the group grew to about 25, and it just packed out his little house. But Dmitri was so passionate about Jesus, and he just preached the gospel. And they learned the life-changing stories of God's word, and their lives started being changed, and then the officials found out about it, and they told him, you gotta shut this down. But he didn't, he kept preaching, and soon there were 50 people totally packed in his house. You couldn't even move, but he was preaching the goodness of Christ. And because he kept preaching, he was fired from his factory job. His wife lost her job teaching school. The kids were expelled from school, but he just kept preaching. He kept speaking the gospel in the name of Jesus. And soon there were 75 to 100, and they would gather outside the home, inside the home. The windows would be open so people could hear him teach the good news of God's word. But one night, several officials burst into the house and the soldiers came in and one officer came right up to Dmitri, grabbed him and started slapping him back and forth and said, if you keep doing this, something worse will happen. But as the officer turned to walk out, a little grandmother stood up in front of him and put her finger in his face and she said, you have touched and laid hands on the man of God. You will not survive. Two days later, that man was dead from a heart attack, and the fear of God spread throughout the whole village. Then there was 150, 200 people that came, and Dimitri kept preaching the gospel. Finally, they arrested him, sentenced him to 17 years in the gulag, and sent him 1,000 miles away from home to a prison with 1,500 inmates, and he was the only Christian. Every day, the guards would torture him. Prisoners would mock him, but every morning, Dimitri would get up, he would face out the bars of his prison cell toward the east, raise his hands to God, and sing a praise song. He did that, the same praise song for 17 years, raise his hands and sing a praise song to God every single morning. Even though he was tortured, he was beaten, and when he would sing, the prisoners would jeer at him. There was only one time where he almost recanted his faith, and that was when they told him his wife had been murdered, that his kids were taken as wards of the state, and they said, we're coming back tomorrow with a piece of paper and you sign this and recant your faith in Christ and you can go home. He was so down, so discouraged. He felt like he was totally broken. But that night, a thousand miles away, his wife, his kids, his family, his friends felt God impress upon them that Dimitri really needed prayer that night more than ever and they stayed up all night praying for him. And he got a vision of them praying for him. He woke up in the middle of the night just knowing that they were praying for him and they were alive and that he'd been lied to. And so the next morning when they came, ready for him to sign, he said, I'm not signing. God is real. He revealed to me that you lied. My wife and my kids are alive. They're together and God is real. They were so exasperated by Dmitri that they'd had enough. And so they grabbed him and took him to be executed. But as he walked down the corridor and out into the center of the prison where all the prisoners could see, suddenly, the prisoners started singing. All 1,500 
joined in and sang the praise song that Dimitri sang every morning. The prison guards just took their hands off of them. And they said, who are you anyway? And Dimitri just said, I am a son of the living God, and his name is Jesus Christ. They released him just a few weeks later. They wanted to have nothing to do with him. But I ask you the same question. Who are you anyway? If you're a Christ follower, you are a child of the living God. You're a son of the living God. You're a daughter of the living God. Have you claimed your inheritance? Your prayers matter to him because you matter to him. You're not just anybody. You're a child of the king, the king of kings, the king of the universe, and the Lord of lords. And he wants you to come right into his presence and pray. And he wants to show you that he's real. He wants to meet your needs. He wants to send a rain of healing, a rain of blessing, a rain of his peace into your life that can't be explained any other way that he is real. Now let me go back to the beginning of this message because I started by talking about Apollo 11 and their journey to the moon. Well, when they landed on the moon, the first thing that Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong did was take communion. Most people don't know that because they made a decision not to show that on television because the year before, In 1968, as the Apollo 10 was orbiting the moon and they saw the earth rise for the first time, they read from the book of Genesis chapter one and it was carried live all over the world. The ACLU filed a lawsuit and so the television stations decided that they wouldn't do that this time. So they didn't show the communion. But the first thing they did when they landed on the moon was shared communion together. In fact, Buzz Aldrin was a deacon in the Presbyterian church, and so he poured the wine in the cup, and it started to float a little bit, and they broke the bread and gave it to Neil Armstrong, and together, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin shared communion, and then Buzz Aldrin read this passage that Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, they had ridden a rocket to the moon, with all that power, with all of that energy, but they realized here they were in the heavens, just on the tip, just on the very edge of the heavens on Earth's moon. And here is our God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords who reigns over the whole universe. They were acknowledging, hey, we have no power apart from God. Apart from Christ, there is no power but he is the greatest power of all. He is the one who unleashes heaven and brings it to collide with earth, to change lives. And that great power is here right now, and he loves you. And what I want us to do right now is stand, and I want us to sing. Because when we sing like Dimitri did, and we sing a praise song to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the resurrected one, He does something in our hearts and in our lives, and I believe the healing's gonna start right now. And then as we leave this place, the healing's gonna continue out there. Be humble enough to admit that you need him, and you need his healing, and you need his strength, and you go out there and receive prayer. But let's sing to the King of Kings right now because I hear the roar of a rainstorm getting ready to fall into your life. A rainstorm of healing, a rainstorm of blessing, a rain of forgiveness, a rain of grace is getting ready to fall. And I hope you'll just receive it. Just receive it, that's all we have to do because it's all from God and it's all God because he wants you to know that he's real and that he loves you and he'll never leave you and never forsake you. 
And for those of you who have wandered away from him, he wants to show that he's real so you return to him. Your hearts will return to him. For those of you who have never believed that he's real, he wants you to know it today. For those of you who know that he's real, but you're like Dimitri starting to doubt, you're getting discouraged, you're like Elijah, you've prayed six times, and he just wants you to know, pray one more time. Because those clouds are coming together and the rainstorm's getting ready to fall. Let's sing to him, the King of Kings. Let's bow together and pray to the King of Kings. King of Kings, King of the universe, Daddy God, we come to you and thank you that you love us so much. We come right into your palace, into your throne room because of your son, Jesus Christ, who's made a way. And we ask you what you want us to ask you for. We ask you for heaven to come to earth in this place. We pray for heaven to come to earth at all of our campuses. We pray, Lord, that you would just open the heavens and there'd be a rain of your blessing, a rain of your healing, and a rain of your peace and grace and forgiveness and love that would just shower us, Lord, to overflowing. We pray for heaven to come to earth in hearts and bring healing as only you can. We pray, Lord, that you would just make yourself so known, that you would remind everyone who's discouraged that you're right there, that you've never left them, not for a moment, Lord, were they forsaken. You've always been there. Whether they felt you or not, you're right there. And Lord, I pray for those who've never really known that you're real, that right now in this moment, they would pray this prayer silently to you. Jesus Christ, as much as I understand it, I just place the little bit of faith I have on you and ask you to save me and make yourself real to me. Come into my life and forgive me of all my sins and take me to heaven one day. Thank you for saving me. Now help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I pray for everyone here that needs healing, that you would just give them a little bit of courage to go out to the prayer fountain, to follow what your word says, and let someone pray for them. Lord, for heaven to come to earth and for your rain to break out and to flood them, Lord, with your healing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's just thank the Lord for who He is. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.